Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, and I'm delighted to be joined by a bumper panel this morning as we look back on Everton's disappointing 2 0 defeat to Liverpool in the Premier League on Sunday afternoon. We look at the relegation picture, League United's game with Crystal Palace tonight, and what next for Frank Lampard's side as they the bottom three following that defeat at Anfield. I'd like to be joined by Joe Thomas, Adam Jones, Chris Beasley, and as ever, Gav Butland. Lads, there's only one place to start nice at Anfield on Sunday afternoon in what was a pretty controversial Merseyside derby from Everton's point of view. Joe, you were at Anfield yesterday. What were your immediate thoughts after the game? I mean, it was a lot better than I was expecting. <laughs> um, and I thought that I thought Everton did 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 really well, to be honest. And I know that that belief is something that a lot of Liverpool fans are kind of pouring score on today. But I'm kind of sick of seeing people saying that somehow Liverpool Everton should have gone to Anfield and tried to play Liverpool at their own game yesterday and being opened up and expansive as if this you know patched up side that Frank Lampard's got could somehow feasibly go to Anfield and. Go, you know what? We'll we'll go hell for leather and see what we can do against them. I thought Lampard set set Everton up to play the only way they could really play and perhaps you know get a positive result there yesterday. And for an hour, it it, it worked. I thought if you go to that, you get to that hour mark before you can make those substitutions. Liverpool hadn't created a clear cut opportunity. Everton had repeatedly threatened on the break. You know they. They, they could well have had a penalty. Several other decisions, big decisions, could have gone their way. I mean, one that really frustrated me, which isn't getting a lot of attention at the moment, is um, Trent Alexander-Arnold on, on Gordon just outside the area about 20 minutes in. I mean, it, was a, it looked like a clear push to me. Uh, if that gets given as a foul, obviously it's a free kick in an attacking area, but it's also probably a yellow card for Trent, who then gets a second yellow for his for his lunge on Gordon with the score nil-nil. You know, I think that... Um, a lot of people kind of almost want to ignore the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation was they're in a very difficult position in the league at the moment. Their form hasn't been superb. They've got a lot of injuries, you know, and a point would have been a brilliant result. Three would have been obviously exceptional. And I think that they turned up at Liverpool, an all-conquering Liverpool side that's humiliated Man United a couple of days earlier and beat Man City a couple of days before that. And they give them a real go. They, they, they really threatened. They did well. And, you know, I thought they were unlucky when they found themselves 1-0 down. After that, obviously, you're chasing the game against Liverpool. becomes a lot harder. But they still they still threatened. You know, they still had chances. And, you know, it's it's one of those. I think if Feathern were, were mid-table, it would be a lot more palatable. But obviously, because of the situation that, that, that Everton are in, you know, it, it really is painful the way it's all transpired. But, I, you know, I generally thought there were positives from that performance yesterday. Adam, you were also around Phil yesterday for, for the Echo covering the game. The one major talking point for Evertonians is, of course, the penalty not awarded in the second half and John Batiste bundled over at the board inside the box. A lot of Evertonians were, were pretty baffled at full-time how it hadn't been given. Many questioning 
Stuart Atwell's motive not to award a penalty. Your piece last night then left me then Everton is not just baffled but angered in, in, in what the Premier League had to say. Mm. It's become a regular case, this has the forever not getting big decisions at big clubs and although it's not solely to blame for Everton's position that they find themselves in, it certainly doesn't help matters, does it? Well yeah, that's it. I, I think it's a wider point. It, it's wider point to be made, isn't it? That you know uh, it's it, it it just seems that, that that decision was in this sort of VAR limbo as I like to describe it. And you know, it, it's baffling that this even exists, but I think if the on-field like decision was to give that as a penalty and that gets taken to VAR, they don't tell them to overturn that. Like that, that would stand as a penalty. But also, it, it's true that you know if the on-field like decision didn't go Everton's way, you know VAR is not going to tell them to go and to go and review it either. Which I just think is is completely baffling. And I I understand it's maybe a little bit of a subjective decision, but you know you've you've just got to look at it in terms of a consistency basis isn't it you, you know we've seen so many of these decisions go for you know not even not even i would say like the bigger sides when they're at home over the course of the season you know other other teams since var have been introduced have got those penalties you know i think it's very similar to because i think when you when you look closely at the replay joel matip actually does stand on anthony gordon's foot so to me it look it, it seems very similar to the one that michael Keane gave away against brighton all those years ago, which you know, and I think that 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 really just comes back to the point of consistency for me because that's all that's all that we want to see at the end of the day, and that's what VAR was was meant to introduce. You know, this increased level of consistency in terms of decisions and actually getting these sort of subjective calls. You know, not not necessarily right all the time, but having a, a base level of what is and isn't a penalty. You know, you know, we're, we're still we're still left with this sort of confusion over these sorts of decisions which i think is the thing that really which really baffles fans on the flip side of things i I do think that if gordon doesn't get booked for diving in the first half he probably gets that penalty which you know maybe goes down as a bit of a a bit of a learning curve for him i suppose you know that that one in the first half you know granted uh, uh, i have seen a couple of evertonians say well he shouldn't have got booked for diving Uh, that that i think that one probably was a right decision for to book him for diving in that case you know he was certainly you know there's looking for a penalty and there's looking for a penalty the way Anthony Gordon did in that situation so you know if he doesn't get booked for diving there does the referee have a you know on the field have a slightly different view of him going down in the box in in that scenario in the second half I think perhaps he he does and as i say if the on-field decision goes evidence way i don't think var overturns it so i do think there's an issue to be to be had about var there and i do think that that is the main issue because i don't think stuart atwell should have his you know judgment clouded by something that happened in the first half uh, when there is a decision such as that but i do think that maybe maybe uh maybe his his decision was a little bit clouded by that incident in the first half so maybe a bit of a learning curve for gordon in that scenario as well but on the whole, it was just, it was just a really, really annoying decision more than anything, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, all we want is, is a consistency with these sorts of things. And I think Frank Lampard was right in what he said after the game that if that's most solid at the other end of the pitch, he's getting that penalty every single day of the week, isn't he? So those are the kinds of things that you've got to deal with, unfortunately, when you go to when you go to grounds like this. But you know, as as I've said, it it really shouldn't be the case. Bees Adam touched there on, on consistency. 
Frank Lampard was very vocal after the game in terms of what he felt was a penalty and, and, and why he was a bit miffed and why it wasn't being given. But another instant that caught the eye was, was Sadio Mane after a tackle by Abdal de Corre on of being on the middle of the pitch. Was was Mane looking boy to stay on the pitch there, Do you think he should have been given his marching orders? I think if you're if you're going to raise your hands at any any point, you're always um, going to put yourself in danger. And it was it was a strange thing to do in that he, he made sure he didn't poke um, Holgate in the eye, but to sort of prod your finger in somebody's cheek. I mean, it was all very odd. Maybe yeah, he had that self control not to just go and try and gouge somebody. But yeah, you're if you if you raise your hands at any any point in that manner, you're always running the risk. And and again, it was something that was um, very sort of quickly. Dismissed, it would seem, and not not given um, much of a, a review from either those um, on the pitch or um, back at um, Stockley Park. So, yeah, he could certainly count himself lucky. There was a few um, things like that, a bit of petulance on um, on both sides. But, um, yeah, if you're going to be raising your hands at, at any point, I think you've got to consider yourself um, fortunate. And, and I suppose once he's, he's been given the yellow card, then there's no actual chance of a, that being overturned retrospectively either. Dad, you know, Adam's touching up there in terms of consistency. For everything supporters, I think that's the most frustrating part of all this is that there is a lack of consistency. You know, if, if it was Michael Keane, for instance, on Mo Salah doing what Matip does with Anthony Gordon, then the pitch is probably a penalty. If it's an Everton play, perhaps raising his hands, it might be a red card. Is that the most frustrating part that there is a, lack, a real lack of consistency and it does feel like the big teams get all the big decisions? Uh, we can be a little bit selective in all of this because you could. Argued that Richarlison was quite lucky to stay when he clobbered the Henderson, was it? A hundred percent. But like, I, I think, exactly. I, I think the point is right though. The Mane's ones at nil nil. Richarlison. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I, I didn't think the Mane one was. It's supposed to be violent conduct, isn't it? I don't think that mm. is the threshold to violent conduct. And I mean, we we select things, don't we? And then say and prove our hypothesis. But actually. As Chris said, there was, there was things from both teams yesterday. But Connor, I can only I, I agree what you say. We, we had this conversation after the Man City game, didn't we? And I said that um, that it's all about consequences of refereeing decisions, and that that informs their their judgment. And the one thing a referee wants to avoid is giving a wrong decision that goes ultimately goes against a bigger team in terms of the, the consequences. Say in this case, the title race life the Rodri decision against Manchester City and you saw that yesterday I think with the, the matter and um, Anthony Gordon coming together that it was just basically Atwell saying I don't want to give a penalty here because actually that could have uh, it maybe seems to be the wrong decision and that, that could affect the title race and then I get a load of stick and I think that was why it wasn't given in the same way the Rodri one wasn't given I, I, what is baffling of course is why there was no VAR Interjection on on the on the Anthony Gordon one. I mean, it was quite clearly needed looking at because it was it was a penalty. I mean, I I I, I watched it again last night, and, and you mentioned it in your piece. I think that that actually very similar to the the, the penalty awarded the, for Calvert Lewin getting clobbered by mm-hmm. the Lovren was it in two thousand and seventeen? Yeah, similar type of challenge, similar type of movement to the players. And and the the Lovren one was given as a, as a penalty, and on that basis, if you want consistency, then the Anthony Gordon one should have been given yesterday because it was quite clearly a penalty for me. Um, but it was a clear case of the referee thinking about the consequences, and uh, I've given it, and then sort of saying, well, I'd best avoid that decision. 
because uh, that's what referees have done as long as I've been watching football. Mm. And because the big decisions always affect the bigger teams. It's simple. It's, you know, it, it's pretty, you know, uh, pretty straightforward stuff, isn't it, really? And that definitely informed that, 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 that decision yesterday. Um, and that's why there is inconsistency because of the consequences. And uh, that will always be there in football, sadly. And I thought thought the one, the other clear one yesterday was, I think, Jamie was, was the, there was a chance on Alexander, it's Alexander Arnold on, on Anthony Gordon. That was a book in that state away. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it, you know, it's just, that was a book in, you know, <laughs> all sorts of, that was a book in, it wasn't even giving us a foul, I think. So, yeah, there's an inconsistency, uh, Connor, but that's because, all teams are not equal, are they? Some are big and successful, some aren't. And and that's always been the case in football. And um you, you saw that to a degree yesterday. But there's some other, you know, there's some decisions that we got perhaps that actually um but you know perhaps wrong. But um yeah, it was very frustrating um afternoon from from that angle for me. Joe Gav said there was a very frustrating afternoon in, in terms of the decisions that, that referee Stuart Atwell made. But I think it, it can be safe to say it was a very frustrating afternoon in general for Everton, wasn't it? Having done so well for an hour, battled hard and, and worked hard and, and seemingly stopped Liverpool playing and, and disrupted the flow of the game. They were ultimately undone by you know Andy Robinson's head and then the Gofferigi uh, in the final 10 minutes. It, it was another case of so close, but yet so far wasn't for the Blues in terms of going up against one of the, the, the big teams and Although given it all, he ultimately fell short. Yeah, that was it. I think I, you know, I started the the post match verdict piece with saying it's it's the hope that gets you because you know, 57, 58 minutes into that game, started to believe that maybe Everton might be able to get something from it. And you know, albeit you know, albeit a point still wouldn't have been enough to get them out of the relegation zone. A point would have been such a in, incredible result just for momentum, continue a bit of momentum, continue a bit of an unbeaten run and, you know, obviously to, to knock Liverpool out of their stride, you know, it, yeah, it was a frustrating, it was frustrating to, it was, it was that man again, Divock Origi, wasn't it? And I mean, I know he scored the second, but he, he, he played a big role in the first, the, the change had an immediate impact for the first time. Liverpool had something representing a target man in the box and, you know, it was Salah playing off him to, to set up the goal for, for Robertson. But yeah, you know, more frustration and more frustration again. You just you know, you look at the line at the starting lineup again. And you just see with you see the the issues that Lampard has inherited that he's got to deal with. You know, in the last few games, we've seen Mina come back from injury. We've seen Delph come back from injury. And we've seen the impact that they can have on that starting eleven. But obviously, because they've been out for so long, you know, their condition does need to be managed and as a result of that you've got him having to make sacrifices going into a game like that with the the rest of the fixtures in in mind and then you know on top of that I mean just however in this season to have Ben Godfrey who's again you know really impressed in recent weeks go out just before the start and whistle again in the same manner that Donny van der Beek did just a couple of weeks ago West Ham it it does you couldn't you couldn't script it um, a more kind of unfortunate season for for Everton. Some of them, some of the uh, you know, the the issues that they face in are their own making. There's no doubt about that. A lot of bad decision making as well as the bad luck has kind of informed where they are. But you know, you just hope that at some point maybe we're just 
saving up all these bits of bad luck, these injuries, these VAR decisions. Maybe they're just credits that are slowly accumulating in the bank, ready to be cashed in. And yeah, maybe at some point over the next day. <laughs> At some point over the next decade, maybe at some point over the next six games of the season, we're just going to see him start to come back. So, but yeah, it was frustrating. But and it's frustrating in the same way that the the result rather than the performance against Man City was frustrating. But you know, I think what Frank has to do at Finch Farm this week is take from that again the fact that albeit maybe for sixty minutes rather than for ninety. Everton can compete with a side at the top end of the table, just like they did against Man City, and obviously take that into the game against Chelsea on Saturday, on um, Sunday, where well they, they need a positive result. Keep saying how vital Goodison is to get them over the start, over the finishing line. It was crucial against Manchester United. You know, I think I think the, the Gladys Street end sucks Richarlison's bobbling effort into the back of the net in the last minute against Leicester. Um, you know, if we're so reliant on home form, well, we're going to need it. We're going to need everything that they're getting in. Um, they can get on Sunday against Chelsea. So obviously, it's another top quality side that's coming to Goodison at a time when Everton really need points. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Adam, obviously, Frank Lampard wanted to make changes from, from the team that drew at Leicester on Wednesday night. Jeremy yeah, and Fabian Dell both, both dropped out. Was you surprised by how Everton set up? Was, was that what you expected? Or did you think Lampard may, may stick with Mina and Delft for the experience of going to Longfield? Um, no, I, I wasn't surprised to see, well, particularly Yeri Mina dropped because, you know, as, as Frank Lampard said after the game, he, he had faced a significant spell out of the side. I was maybe a little bit surprised to see him play the full 90 minutes against Leicester, even in the situation that we were in against Leicester up until... The final minutes of the game, I think, you know, in different circumstances, Lampard would have probably liked to have taken Mina off at about like the 65-70 minute mark of that match. But uh, he got through the full 90, you know, he, he was a bit rusty in parts, but you can imagine that because of uh, the amount of time he spent on the sidelines. So, you know, we're, with the importance of the six games that we've got from now until the end of the season, you know, I, w- I was explaining this to Joe when we were when we were sat in Anfield before the game, you know, I, I didn't think, and I still don't think that Yeri Mina would have been the difference in Everton winning or maybe getting a draw out of that game at Anfield. Uh, so I, I think it was probably the right decision uh, to to rest him. Delph was a bit more of an interesting one. I think Delph had a bit more time to uh, to sort of get himself back up to full fitness and sharpness. But again, you can understand Frank Lampard's decision in that sense. He's another player who's suffered with uh, injuries over the past couple of years. And, you know, he's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but he is on the wrong side of 30 now in terms of, you know, being a professional footballer in the Premier League. So, you know, it it, it is just a case of managing his time as well, because, you know, in that game against Manchester United, particularly, he did prove himself to be, you know, really, really important to the way Everton wanted to play. So you, you can see in particular games from now until the end of the season, you know, especially that Chelsea game that we've got coming up, you can see that he would be uh, that he would be important again. I think the only thing that could perhaps surprise me about the way Everton looked like they were going to set up in a, a but well before Ben Godfrey got injured was the fact that it, you know they played with they were starting with two you know quite high energy sort of centre backs. It, it did look like Everton were going to try and press Liverpool a little bit 
higher up the pitch. And I'm not sure whether or not the, the, the introduction of Michael Keane late into that game maybe changed that a little bit and, you know, forced them to sit back a little bit deeper. But, you know, I, I think actually that worked out in, in Everton's benefit because I think Michael Keane, you know, we all know what his what his strengths are as a defender. He, he's, you know, very good in the air, can defend his 18-yard uh, box quite well when he's uh, when he's sitting back in, in that sort of area. And I think he did do that quite well for the 90 minutes. But, yeah, in terms of Mina and Delph, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised to uh, to see them rested because, you know, the long and short of it is, if they had both started yesterday, I don't think they'd have been the difference in, in that result. So, you know, they could well be the difference. You know, if, if they start against Chelsea, they could well be the difference. If they start against, you know, Crystal Palace at home, for example, a bit later on in the season, they could be the difference. So... Uh, if it mean if resting them at Anfield means that you've got more chance of being able to start them both in those games, I, I think it's I think it's the right decision personally. Beach Joel's already alluded to the way Everton set up and and the game plan that Frank Lampard side has at Anfield. There was a lot of you know certainly talk on social media and a lot of you know finger pointing that it wasn't very pretty, but it was certainly effective for the Blues, wasn't it? And, and Frank Lampard can't be not can he beat Beach for the way he set his team up because at the end of the day he's going to talk to one the the best teams in the world right now and he's got a sense of a game plan that's going to work for his side. Yeah, I was, I'd much rather they, they, they set up like that on, you know, Adam and I have had the, the dubious privilege of seeing them go to, to London twice in a month and 5-0 at Tottenham, 4-0 at Crystal Palace, just totally capitulate and, you know, that had to stop, you know, I mean, Frank himself had, you know, questioned the players that day in very strong language and um since then to be fair they've they've always been in the games and they they, they, they haven't thrown in the towel in that respect yet let's speak to uh to, to michael ball earlier we've got this column coming up um, later on as you can imagine that's typically robust as you would expect not just uh, in terms of the uh the, the penalty or no penalty decisions so there's plenty to get stuck into over that but yeah um and and you say what, what do liverpool expect like have we said ourselves just like come to Anfield, you know, without an away win um, since um, August and they're unbeaten at home and just try and go toe-to-toe with them. It's not going to happen. It's, it's ridiculous, this idea that Everton uh, are just trying to match him in that respect. I thought he got it spot on. Ultimately, yeah, it, it hasn't worked again. But I think I have to be positive today. They, you know, they've dropped into the bottom three for the first time. That happened before kickoff, and a draw wouldn't have been enough to take them out of the, the, the relegation zone. But as Frank said himself before kickoff, um, of course he'd have taken that result, and um, that was the best way of going about that. Um, playing in the way that they they did, they looked did look dangerous on the counter. Maybe did they had a bit more composure in those one on ones? It would have been nice for uh, Abdoulaye Decore and um, Anthony Gordon to at least test Allison on a couple of those occasions when when they got into the box. Uh, just a bit more composure with those finishes. But yeah, in terms of going about trying to achieve the result, I think that was the best way. And that you know they've done well in these these two games against the top two in the division. Hopefully, it could be sort of quite similar against Chelsea, but actually to, to get something uh, next Sunday because they really obviously they really need to. Gav Bees has already touched on it there, but ahead of that game yesterday, Everton did drop into the bottom three after Burnley picked up a, a vital one 0 and over Wolves to turf more. The Clarets have, have seemingly found a bit of form and a bit of spirit um, since Sean Dyche was, was somewhat brutally sacked a, a couple of weeks ago. Bees touched on it there as well about you know, throwing in the towel. Psychologically, though, for Everton, now they're in the bottom three, 
they, they desperately need to find some confidence and belief, don't they? Because the, the task is all, is just all of a sudden got a hell of a lot tougher. Yeah, still in, still in our hands, I think, isn't it? Um, just. Just, just. Um, <laughs> and Burnley play Watford on Saturday, is it? And then Villa, yeah. Yeah, and that's before we play Chelsea. I don't know, Leeds are playing tonight. But you get confidence and belief from yesterday, don't you, surely? That's what you'd be saying to the players. Um, and the players should be saying to each other that they, they actually went to Anfield and for the change, for the 55 minutes, the game was about us, wasn't it? <laughs> as much as we didn't have the ball, you know, we made the game about us, didn't we, really? Um, you know, it was it was played to our tempo, to 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 a, to a style that we, we wanted, that suited us. And it's not many times that's happened at Anfield in the last 30 years, to be fair. So I think we should take a lot of confidence from that. Um, the, I think the problem we have at the moment is scoring goals, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've, we're finding it difficult to find the back of the net. I know Calvert-Lewin's been missing. I believe he struggled when he's been in the team. And in, in a strange way, as much as our defence has been a target for criticism off me all year. At the moment, we're finding it difficult to to, to to score and that's what we need to do in the last six games, isn't it? Five, six games is, is find the back of the net. And uh, we need we need to find a way of uh, of doing that because we um, we've struggled the last last few games to, to do that. But yeah, we should take a lot of you know, free, you know, taking the positive light, but you know it's Probably the best description of it. You know, look at the good stuff from yesterday. You say that we show we compete against, well, we compete against City. Take that, I mean, take that into the Chelsea game because, I mean, the irony is, isn't it? We've probably played better against the bigger teams this season. I know Tottenham was probably the exception. Um, we played better against the bigger teams this season than the, you know, some of the, some of the teams down the bottom. We've, we've tended to compete a lot more. And hopefully you can take that into the Chelsea game on on Sunday because I think their season's tapering off a little bit, isn't it, really? I know they got the cup final, so hopefully... I mean, I saw them yesterday and they weren't great yesterday, Chelsea. Um, we can carry that performance into next Sunday, then we've got, we, we can have a hope of, of getting something from that game. Adam, you, you've watched the, you know, the Blues all season for, for the Echo up and down the country and... Have you seen signs in the last couple of weeks of that there is a fighting spirit in this Everton team and, and they can pull themselves out of danger and get themselves, you know, both that, that dreaded line and the weeks to come? Whether they can get themselves over the line is, uh, I think, a different question because, you know, I, I do think we have seen an increased level of fighting spirit and I, and I think a lot of that comes from, you know, the, the man who's now on the touchline. I think, you know, Everton fans for the first half of the season, you know, it was no secret that they just couldn't relate to Rafa Benitez in any way, shape, or form, and you know, it, it it ended up uh, that Benitez stayed for longer than he really should have done, and you know whether that whether that decision will come back to haunt Everton at the end of the season is is yet to be seen. But you know Everton fans are now seeing a man that they can actually relate to on the on the touchline. They they can get behind him. You know Lampard, he's straight talking. He's learning on the job, of course, and you know he's not the most experienced manager, but. Everton fans can get behind him. He's he's buying he's buying into this sort of Evertonian hardworking fighting spirit, and I think that's a uh, that's really beneficial. You know, the fans in the stands have 
uh, turn themselves around from, you know, obviously when Benitez was in charge, there, were, there was a real undercurrent of negativity, I would say, from the from the stands and, you know, quite understandably so because they couldn't relate to the manager. You know, there was issues with the board as well. There still are issues with the board, of course. But, uh, yeah, that now now they're, they've, they've changed themselves around to have this, you know, overwhelming sort of positivity. And even at Anfield yesterday, you could... You could hear that despite the despite Everton going into the match in the bottom three throughout the first half, it was the Evertonians that you could hear sing them from that away end. You know, a lot of them stayed behind to applaud the players uh, at the end of the game because they appreciated uh, the fight that they had at least put in uh, at Anfield. So you know that sort of positive energy, I, I I understand, will you know obviously be of a benefit over the last six games, but. I think the problem is you can't just you can't just rely on fight you know fighting spirits as much as we like to think so in in this in this football and day and age. But it, it, you just can't. You you need you need quality as well. You need you need to be clinical in the final third. You need to stop giving away silly goals at the other end of the pitch. And the evidence that we've seen from Everton over the course of this season so far is that they they aren't able to do that. <laughs> the long and short of it is they're, they're in that bottom three because they haven't been able to do that consistently over the course of this season well enough, especially at the, you know, the back end of the pitch conceding silly goals. And, you know, that, that, that still was the case at Anfield, you know, for that first goal. It's a good cross from Mo Salah to the back post, but he's not closed down quickly enough. Uh, you know, Andy Robertson has got about five yards of space inside the Everton box. That's not good enough. Uh for the second goal as well, Mason Holgate uh, is caught, caught back, leaves Luis Diaz onside. That's a big mistake. Nobody tracks Origi's run in the centre of the pitch, which is another big mistake. So, you know, it, it, those mistakes are going to cost you at the, at the end of the day. And, and I think that's that's the more concerning thing for me. I, I'm, I'm not necessarily that concerned about the fighting spirit anymore because I think you're right. I do think Everton have shown an increased level of fighting spirit, certainly from what they were showing uh, in the latter stages of Benitez in, in January, but it's not enough. Like <laughs> the, the last couple of months have shown it's not enough. They need to show increased levels of quality as well. So over these last six games of the season, they really need to book their ideas up and show something different in terms of quality on the pitch as well, because otherwise, you know, they can show as much fighting spirit as they want. That They're not going to get the results that they need unless they you know, cut out their, their mistakes, essentially, at both ends of the pitch. Joe Gav's already touched, touched on this, but in terms of Everton's goal-scoring form, in terms of, of scoring goals, you know, it, it's been pretty bleak in, in recent weeks, certainly, in, in terms of finding the back of the net. How does Frank Lampard go about addressing that issue in, in the coming in the weeks? Because, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, Everton needs, and needs to score goals to win matches, which will keep them in the division. It's hard, isn't it? Because... You know, we obviously there's no Dominic Calvert Lewin, um, and lacking a bit of quality and a bit of guile up top, kind of almost means that rather than be canny about it, you, you've got to set out more attacking and hope that you know cumulatively you get Gordon and Awobi and Richarlison, you know, and, and maybe Gray singing singing off the same hymn sheet. But you know, whatever you kind of attacking wise you then create the problems defensively that, that you might be more open to conceding and when you're not con- scoring many goals last thing you need to want to do is concede and then obviously you need you know two goals to, to, to win the game at least so 
it's hard. It's hard to know whether the stick or twist really, and, and kind of you know, Everton with the players that they've got at the minute are probably better off if this was in the middle of the season, focusing on keeping things tight at the back and hoping that you know Richardson and Gordon and Awobi can. You know what? They're, they're fashioning chances. They were a constant threat for that first hour uh, yesterday, and yeah, they create chance against Man United, and they you know. Created plenty of chances against Burnley as well. If anything, it's more about it's more about putting them away, isn't it? It's it's that you know I think Adam mentioned earlier. You know, you had those Decore chances yesterday. You had the Gordon chance yesterday when they both flashed wide across. You know, weak efforts wide across goal when you know they probably could have done a little bit better. Didn't force Allison into a save. You had Damari Gray cutting inside early in the first half and. You know, he had so much, many opportunities to shoot and he just took his time and took his time. And in the end, I think he was closed down by Matic. You know, the, the players there have just got to find a, a ruthlessness somehow. It's, it's they, you know, they've, they've got to start taking their chances. And it's hard to know how to kind of deal with that problem. Obviously, in terms of the options that Everton have got, one they didn't use until late on against Liverpool yesterday. It was obviously Solomon Rondon. Now, I mean, he's not exactly a, a ruthless striker, you know, sort of team that's going to punish, you know, score goal after goal and, and, and punish opponents going forward. But it's probably you need to ask a question as to whether or not Richarlison is more effective playing up top um, with, you know, someone like Rondon to play off. Because the problem I have with Richarlison up top by himself is I know obviously that's a position that he likes to play in. And, so well and good playing for Brazil when you've got you know Neymar and all sorts of players around you, fashion opportunity. And you're in playing in games where you're dominating the the ball and you're spending most of your time in the opposition's final third. And you know it's a different scenario for Everton at the minute. And I think that Everton lose too much by him being up top by himself because too often he, you know, we saw this for so long against Leicester. And we saw it yesterday as well. You know, he gets isolated. You've got two centre-backs on him. He can cause a nuisance. He can be aggressive. But really, he can't do it all by himself. And, um, and so that makes, makes it difficult. You know, where are the goals going to come from? It's hard to see tactically unless you, you start with... You completely change things. Say, start with the big man up top with, with, with Rondon and hope that Richardson, Awobi and, and Gordon can feed off the scraps. Ultimately... The problem, as daft as it might sound, over the last few weeks hasn't been creating chances or it hasn't certainly hasn't been getting into promising positions in the final third. It's been making the most of those opportunities. Yeah, Evan, they just need to be more ruthless. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. In terms of the, the game yesterday, and he was obviously right in the thick of the action, given the, the penalty of the out, but... In terms of the performance by Anthony Gordon on field, it was it was a pretty impressive one, and he was he's certainly an Everton player who's come of age hasn't he this season, and, and he's now probably immersed himself as one of the first names on Frank Lampard's team sheet. Yeah, it, was, um, it, it, it looked um, quite tired against Leicester City at times on Wednesday night, so I did, did actually wonder um, whether he might be one of the ones to, to, to miss out. But no, it was he, he was uh, the, the the biggest attacking threat, wasn't he? From really had. Um, Trent on toast at, at, at times, um, really, um, you know, who, who could end up being uh, player of the year. So uh, to have somebody, you know, his fellow scouts on the pitch there and a good personal battle between 
the, the, the two of them. He, he always looked like the, the danger man, and he, he certainly come of age. It's, it's just so frustrating that this this breakthrough season for Anthony has corresponded with such a, a downturn in fortunes um, for the team. I, I, I remember them speaking to him just after the turn of the calendar year, and he was saying that he, he felt he'd learned so much from that um, that loan spell at Preston North End last season. It sort of gave, gave him personally the wake-up call um, just how much it is to be a Premier League player and how much you're, you're looked after and uh, what that means at a prestige level. He said, you know, playing in the Championship made me think, well, I don't want to go back here. I want to stay in the Premier League. So it's kind of ironic, really, that you know, he produced this great form personally. But there he is. He's, he's, he's on the precipice of, you know, he, he could be going down along with his teammates because he'd be the one, you know, we don't want to be saying too much about this, but if the worst comes to the worst and it's a reality now, if Everton are playing in the Championship next season, he'd be one of those ones. He'd be one of the, one of the main men you'd hope who, who'd be getting you back up back up and then into the Premier League. So it was a few weeks back. He he, he just felt that the, the, there wasn't a chance of Everton getting relegated. They, they would be OK. And that was came from his personal desire and, and his confidence. But I think even... Uh, Anthony now, like the rest of them, having to face up to the, the, the realistic um, situation that, that, that they find themselves in. But yeah, it's, it's no fault of him. He, he, he's, he's been out, outstanding. I just uh, wish a few of his, his teammates have shown a bit more desire from the start of the season. Gav, you're, you're someone I know who's been worried about the threat of relegation for Everton for some time, probably before many Evertonians uh, began to fear the worst. Looking at the overall picture, then obviously Everton now find themselves in the bottom three. Is it, is it now a case of do or die for Frank Lampard? Is it, you know, does he have to go all out and, and just aim to get as, as many points as he possibly can in terms of the fixtures coming up? Because we're barely playing Watford and then Aston Villa, that's, and they're currently in a form. It's very easy to punch for the Clarets. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's how we get the points, though, Connor, isn't it? That's the uh, that's the problem. Um, just, just checking four goals from open play in the last 10 Premier League matches. Oof. And, and and two of them were deflections or three, I think three if we counted a challenge <laughs> one, I think. Um so that says says it all. So how are we gonna do it? Um fixture list hasn't given said this a what a few weeks ago, didn't I? The fixture list hasn't done us any favours by top loading the sort of easy games near the end of the season when Burnley stroke leads could be six, seven points ahead of us. You know, when they they play their harder games, they could already have the points in the bag, and that changes the mentality, doesn't it? I mean, we could be four points behind Burnley on on uh, Sunday. How we do it? Um, we need to show the the desired organisation and application we did yesterday. We need to. I think we need me in the back, in the sense of the defence, to the sweet, uh, definitely, and we need to find a way of, of scoring goals. And it sounds easy, that doesn't it? But the reality is, that over the last three, three or four months, we found that difficult. So um, yeah, I think it goes back to what Adam was saying before. You can have the, all the heart and desire in the world, but if you're lacking the quality, then you, you've got a, got an issue, haven't you? Really? And um, I think there's only so much we can do with our attitude. We're, we're relying on. I think we need to start. If you narrow it down, we need to start scoring goals, don't we? Ultimately, because goals earn your points, you know. And uh, I think we, Joe was talking about it as well. We need to find a way of, of getting the ball in the back of the net, which we've just quite 
patently not been able to do for the last nine or ten games. Because if we don't, we're in a position now where we need to win matches that I'm in rather than drawing them. And I think that's going to be the that's the worry for me is goal scoring. Adam, the the, the Premier League fixture this doesn't doesn't finish didn't finish around Phil Jesse. This is a huge game tonight to Salisbury Park as Crystal Palace take on on Leeds United. I think it's safe to say every Everton fan will be hoping for a Crystal Palace win to, to try and suck Leeds into the, the battle and make it a two a two horse race, a three horse race, given Leeds' fixtures as well in the coming weeks. It'd be massive if Leeds could drop points tonight and, and, and Everton can move a little bit closer to them. Yeah, I think I think we're getting into the realm now where we need any sort of boost of motivation that we can possibly pick up. And if that's Leeds getting dragged back down into the mix, as you say, they've got They've got a really difficult run in over the course of their of their end of the season. So, yeah, it would, it would be it, it would be nice to see them uh, dragged back down into it. We're getting into the realm now where we do need other teams to start doing us favours, which is I know it is technically still in Everton's hands because they've got a game in hand and everything like that. But you know, Burnley, Burnley just seem to have the momentum behind them at the minute, don't they? They've got a relatively you know no fixtures easy in the Premier League. Blah blah blah. But they've got a relatively easier run of fixtures than both Everton and Leeds uh, from now until the end of the season. So, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if it, if this situation comes around where Burnley, you know, do end up picking up quite a few points until the end of the season, and maybe it's a two-horse race between Everton and Leeds towards uh, towards the end of the campaign. Which, you know, I suppose a few weeks ago it looked like Leeds had uh, had really got themselves out of it. So, in in some senses, that that maybe. That maybe turns around to some sort of a positive, you know, at, at bottom end of the table, it can just change so quickly, can't it? You know, one win can completely change your perception. And, you know, if Everton can get uh, a few important points on the board you know, against, against you know, Chelsea and, and, and beyond, then, you know, maybe the perception will change and maybe they'll end up picking up uh, a little bit of momentum. But, yeah, I think it will be... You know, a, a, a pretty uh, a pretty welcome boost to the confidence if you know Crystal Palace could just uh, secure a little bit of a win tonight and, uh, and and push push Leeds back down into the mix. I think we could uh, we'd all appreciate that after uh, what's been you know pretty pretty tough weekend. But as, as I mentioned, the way their momentum. If you're Frank Lampard going to train today at a Finch Farm and looking to lift Everton's players. What would you be saying in, in a bit to lift them and, and look to get some momentum going between now and the end of May? Yeah, they've um, like I said, they, they two of the actual better performances since he came into the club were, were, were Manchester City and Liverpool yesterday. It's tough because they didn't get anything from either of those games, and he maybe could have, should have, you know. If but to maybe's, but we've got to look at that and take take the positives out of it, that and that, that they've shown they can compete against the best. I just think that for these players for their own professional pride, we've discussed this before, I don't think they should be in this position, certainly in terms of their pedigree on paper. I don't. I know that doesn't win you matches, that doesn't give you points. But for this team, let's remember, OK, there's been changes since then and if a lot of goals been taken out the side, but um, a year ago, they were disappointed to miss out on Europe and to, to drop to 10th position. You know, they've been... They've been second as, as as late as Boxing Day that season. Okay, it's a bit of a false position because season started late, and maybe that's not where they should be. But they certainly shouldn't be this lower at the other end of things. And um, 
they're, a lot of them are, are top players and they, they should be um, rising to the occasion and producing these kind of performances. So it's a similar sort of scenario next Sunday against Chelsea. One um, last push from, from the, the fans as well to try and get, get them uh, over the line. It, 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 it's, it's a desperate situation, but Frank is, is just got to keep them positive. They've got to just um, take all that they can from the way that they did perform and hope that they get the breaks against Chelsea. I know, I know like we've talked about, maybe a bit of good luck coming their way. And um, it's a bit much, isn't it, to say um, many, many years going to sort of get pushed into those last um, six fixtures of the, of the season. But yeah, you, you just got to um, hope that they, they, they can um, turn it around because, you know, it, it, it's a really sort of tight situation now. I don't think anybody is under any illusions now that relegation is is a realistic prospect for Everton and they have to, like I said, it's in their own hands and uh, they, they've got to go out and produce it themselves over these last six fixtures of the season. Joel, just to finish, MB's touched on it there and said, you know, it remains in Everton's own hands, but they've got to be very careful having the Blues that it doesn't become out of the Blues out of their own hands and, you know, Adam's already touched on it about the line results from elsewhere and, and teams doing the favours, but Everton have got to make sure, haven't they, or ensure that it remains in their own hands as, as long as it can be. Well, that, absolutely. And, and obviously, it could all change this weekend if, if Burnley go to Watford and win and then Everton don't beat beat Chelsea, then you know, the game in hand gets wiped out by the, the points that separate the two sides. Um, so it's, it's a difficult one. I think it is wise to kind of just keep an eye on Leeds. We'll probably have an answer on the Leeds situation tonight because if Leeds go to Palace and, and get a win then obviously the the four points that they have on us now become seven and you know it's I don't know if Everton would catch them then even then with the run of fixtures I mean you know we want to we want to pull Leeds into the orbit but in order to do that we've got to make up that four point deficit first <laughs> we've got to win we've got to win games draws aren't enough now uh, I mean targeted draws are you know, a, a draw is enough against Chelsea if they then, you know, and maybe against Leicester if they then go and beat Palace and beat Watford and beat Brentford. But obviously what you don't want to do is overload your expectations on those final games of the season and those last three or four all become absolute must-wins. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, they, they really need a positive result on uh, the week. They need results to go in their way over the weekend and, and tonight. I mean, if, if, Leeds can, if Leeds can avoid winning tonight and if Watford can somehow stop Burnley then you know that would be a good kind of setting then for Everton to then go into Chelsea again where they you know they can they have genuinely have a chance of, of winning and getting a point. You know, Chelsea aren't unbeatable. Everton have shown they can compete against teams at the top end of the league. Chelsea's season is kind of in that weird never region and maybe it was a bit of this was, was, was on view against West Ham yesterday where it's clear that they're going to finish in the top four but they're obviously not going to win the league so you know Everton should want it more than them on Sunday and you know at home against Goodison you know, there, there, there is a, a reasonable chance to get picking up a positive result but I mean they, they, they really have to do everything they can this week to prepare themselves as best as they can for that Chelsea game and although Although Everton's survival remains in their own hands at this minute, you know, they are reliant on results elsewhere as well to a certain extent as to how they shape the pitches. You know, it's 
you know, Ever, Evan, if Evan win every single game that they play for the rest of the season, they'll stay up. We we know that, but obviously we know that they're probably not going to win six out of six, and therefore we are going to need a bit of help from elsewhere. Right, lads, we will leave things there and, and digress and head off and find out all yesterday's yesterday's events. Well, thanks to Gav, Joe, Adam and Chris for joining me. We'll be back on Friday to look ahead to the, another huge, well, they're all huge now, aren't they, for Everton, but another huge Goodison Park home game against Chelsea and analyse the relegation picture after Leeds' trip to the capital tonight to face on Crystal Palace. So, lads, thanks very much for joining me. I've been your host, Conor O'Neill, and thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.